The Undertaker's Chat. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Undertaker's Chat by Mark Twain. Read by Ben Laffin. Now that, corpse, said the Undertaker, patting the folded hands of a deceased approvingly, was a brick. Everywhere you took him, he was a brick. He was so real accommodating, and was so modest-like and simple in his last moments. Friends wanted metallic burial case. Nothing else would do. I couldn't get it. There weren't going to be time. Anybody could see that. Corpse said never mind. Shake him up in some kind of box he could stretch out uncomfortable. He weren't particular about the general style of it. Said he went more on room than style. Anyway, in the last final container. Friends wanted a silver door plate on the coffin, signifying who he was and where he was from. Now, you know a fellow don't roust out such a gaily thing as that in a little country town like this. What did the corpse say? Corpse said whitewash his old canoe and daub his address and general destination onto it with a blacking brush and a stencil plate, along with a verse and some likely hymn or other, and paint him for the tomb and mark him with C.O.D. and just let him flicker. He weren't distressed any more than you be. On the contrary, he was just calm and collected as a hearse horse. Said he judged that where he was going to, a body would find it considerable better to attract attention by a picturesque moral character than a natty barrel case with a swell door plate on it. Splendid man he was. I'd rather do for a corpse like that than anything I tackled in seven years. There's some satisfaction in burying a man like that. You feel that what you're doing is appreciated. Lord bless you. So he's got planted before spilled. He was perfectly satisfied. Says relations meant well. Perfectly well. But all them preparations were bound to delay a thing, more or less, and he didn't wish to be kept laying around. You never see such a clear head as what he had, so calm and cool, just a hunk of brains. That's what he was. Perfectly awful. He was a ripping distance from one end of that man's head to another. Off and over again, he's had a brain fever raging in one place, and the rest of the pile didn't know anything about it. Didn't affect it any more than an engine insurrection in Arizona affects the Atlantic states. Well, the relations said they wanted a big funeral, but the corpse said he was down on flummery. He didn't want any procession. Fill the hearse full of mourners, get a stern line, and tow him behind. He was most down on style of any remains I ever struck. A beautiful, simple-minded creature. It was what he was. You could depend on that. He was just set on having things the way he wanted them, and he took a solid comfort in laying his little plans. He had me measure him a whole raft of directions, then he had the minister stand up behind a long box with a tablecloth over it to represent the coffin and read his funeral sermon saying, Ankar, Ankar, at the good places, and making him scratch out every bit of brag about him and all the hippolutin, and then he made him trot out the choir so that he could help him pick out the tunes for the occasion, and he got them to sing Pop Goes Whistle because he always liked that tune when he was downhearted, and solemn music made him sad, and when they sung that with tears in their eyes because they all loved him, and his relations grieving around him, he just lay there as happy as a bug, trying to beat time and showing all over how much he enjoyed it. Presently, he got worked up and excited and tried to join in for, mind you, he was pretty proud of his abilities in the singing line, but the first time he opened his mouth and was just going to spread himself, his breath took a walk. I never seen a man snuffed out so sudden. Ah, oh, it was a great loss. A powerful loss to this poor little one-horse town. Well, well, well. I ain't got time to be palavering along there. Just got a nail on the lid and mosey along with him. And if you'll just give me a lift, we'll skeet into the hearse and meander along. Relations bound to have it so. Don't pay no attention to dying injunctions minute a corpse gone. But if I had my way, if I didn't respect his last wishes and don't behind the hearse, I'll be cussed. I consider that whatever a corpse wants done for his comfort is little enough matter, and a man ain't got no right to deceive him or take advantage of him. And whatever a corpse trusts me to do, I'm going to do. 
You know, even if it's to stuff him and paint him yeller and keep him for a keepsake. You hear me. He cracked his whip and went lumbering away in his ancient ruin of a hearse. And I continued my walk with a valuable lesson learned, that a healthy and wholesome cheerfulness is not necessarily impossible to any occupation. The lesson is likely to be lasting, for it will take many months to obliterate the memory of the remarks and circumstances that impressed it. End of The Undertaker's Chat by Mark Twain